Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, good Friday afternoon to you, the end of another interesting, crazy week in South Africa. Thank you very much for joining me for this new news episode, a bite-sized episode that we try and bring to you once a week, just summarizing some of the biggest news items in South Africa for the past week. Uh, luckily, we live in a very interesting country, so there's normally a lot to talk about, and I'm going to try and cover everything of note for the past week. Uh, we'll jump right in about the Competition Commission doing competition competition commission things. So the CompCom decided to block the 500 million rand takeover of the domestic operations of Burger King. Uh, this will probably have far-reaching implications for merger and acquisition activity in South Africa and will more than likely be tested in court. Uh, the commission vetoed the deal as the empowerment credentials of the buyer, private equity group ECP Africa, which has offices in Washington, Abidjan and Joburg, fell below those of the seller, one of South Africa's most venerable empowerment companies, Grand Parade Investments, or GPI. Now, GPI argued that the deal should go ahead as it needs the capital to reduce its debt and resume paying dividends to investors, more than two-thirds of whom are black. Uh, the Competition Commission blocked the deal on one of five public interest grounds in terms of the Competition Act. This is the first time that a takeover has been prohibited on the basis of shareholding of the acquirer. Tamara pa Paramur, head of M&A at the Competition Commission, said firms bidding for assets must either comply with BEE requirements or propose alternatives, such as involving firms with BEE credentials in its supply chain or setting aside shares for workers. ECP Africa promised to spend more than 500 million rand to develop new Burger King outlets, raising the number of stores from 90 to at least 150 and employing more than one 1,250 historically disadvantaged people in the process. It committed also to raising procurement from black suppliers by 30% to about 930 million rand a year, while making 5% of its shares available for an empowerment ownership scheme. Despite all this, the commission uh, reckoned that this was inadequate. Quote, the proposed merger cannot be justified on substantial public interest grounds, end quote. The, this, I think, points to the law of unintended consequences, the sort of ideology of transformationism, affirmative action, BE, uh, about creating an inclusive economy is in many ways shrinking the economy. Unfortunately, you're driving away new businesses, investment. And at the end of the day, black South Africans are going to suffer the most because there are going to be less job creating businesses and less job opportunities if the sort of action by the competition continues, in my view. Um, I think... If, you, if a business can't sell its assets kind of thing uh, to a more productive competitor, what's going to happen to the jobs of those employees? If this doesn't now go ahead with Burger King, what is going to happen if all the Burger King outlets close down and all those employees uh, lose their jobs? I don't think one can continue, can continue with this sort of ideology uh, with a country that we have over 43% unemployment. In, in essence, the message is that foreign investors should think twice before, before plowing money into South Africa. The second uh, news item for this week, we had a household, uh, a pickup in household spending and robust activity in South Africa's mining and finance industries, which helped the economy grow at a better than expected 4.6% in the first three months of 2021, marking a third consecutive quarter of recovery. A seasonally adjusted and annualized GDP rose 4.6% quarter on quarter deceleration from the revised 5.8% growth rate in the fourth quarter of 2020, so quite a bit lower. 
The largest positive contributors to growth uh, from the supply side in the first quarter were finance, mining, and trade. And in a way, one can ask, isn't the real growth rate for the first quarter of this year minus 2.7%, uh, taking into account the economic damage that happened last year because of the government's hard lockdown policies? I think um, keeping in mind that 4.6% might not be that accurate in the bigger picture, especially if you look at what a low base we're operating from and the fact that commodities are much are doing much better now, that could be boosting this number more than the real economy, as it were. Moving on to the next item, Minister of Health's William Kiese indicated earlier this week that he suggested to President Ramaphosa that he go on special leave pending the outcome of an investigation into his alleged role in the awarding of a 150 million rand communications contract to a company headed by two of his aides, and that company was is Digital Vibes. Uh, to quote uh, Minister Mkise, he said, we have not discussed the issue of resignation. We have discussed the issue of special leave pending the report of the SIU, that's the Special Investigating Unit. I raised it with the president, and he said this on Tuesday during a visit to the Northern Cape, where he was assessing the province's management of its vaccine rollout. Then he was placed on special leave on the 8th of June, and all of these announcements followed very quickly after another that I think indicates perhaps it was all pre-planned. The president has said several times that he was awaiting the final report into the Digital Vibe saga by the SIU. The unit has confirmed that it intends to complete the report by the end of June. So for the time being, Minister Mkise is on special leave. I haven't yet seen how special leave is being defined. I think it would be accurate to assume that it's with full pay, but I suppose that's par for the course in, in South Africa. Next item, we have uh, Clover, the dairy producer. Clover recently announced that it intends to close down its plant in Lichtenburg under the Ditupalala uh, local municipality, citing disruptions to their operations caused by poor water and electricity supply. The company also indicated poor road infrastructure has increased operational costs and affected suppliers. I think this is the perfect example of where you have ideology influencing government policy and the negative effects of those policies being felt by companies on the ground. Clover has about 380 permanent and 40 temporary employees. It employs, it further employs about 20 general workers, 20 truck drivers, and truck cleaners. Now, the company is looking at moving this operation to Durban, so at least it won't be leaving South Africa completely, but it looks to be leaving the Northwest. The Northwest Premier, Tebojo Job Mohoro, has dispatched a team led by Agriculture and Rural Development MEC Desbo Mohono to meet the management of Clover. Mohoro said the municipality cannot afford to lose the clover operations as this will have devastating consequences for more than 300 families. So I guess master of the obvious. Uh, quote, government depends on private companies which invest in our towns to create jobs. The closure, of clo the closure of clover will have a negative economic impact in the local municipality, end quote. So again, stating the obvious, but reality is biting hard. And that is unfortunately the kind of thing that happens when municipalities and governments around the country uh, do not deliver services and security to an adequate level. Uh, next item, President uh, Ramaphosa's cabinet extended South Africa's national state of disaster by a further month. In a statement made following a cabinet meeting on Thursday, it said that the state of disaster will now continue until 15 July 2021. In probably the biggest news of the week, and this was quite surprising, President Ramaphosa lifted the threshold for companies to produce their own electricity without a license to 100 megawatts in a surprise announcement that was much celebrated across the board. Uh, 
embedded generation when a company produces electricity for its own use or for use by others is widely regarded as the quickest way to bring additional megawatts onto the grid. Companies, mines and farms are believed to have 5,000 megawatts in pent-up projects, which could be released if licensing requirements were lifted. Now, part of the announcement was the detail that generation projects will need to obtain a grid connection permit to ensure that they meet all of the requirements for grid compliance. And this might represent a, a potential bottleneck from our perspective at the FMF, especially if the regulator does not process applications in a speedy and transparent manner. The momentum offered by this reform should now be exploited to its maximum. And we at the FMF have called on government to abandon other policies that will inhibit growth and undermine civil liberties, things such as expropriation without compensation, national health insurance, restrictive labor regulation. Those sorts of things should really be dropped if, if this is the right kind of shift that government wants to implement. It's good news, but we wait to see more details to see what is actually going to now be required of, of generators and companies to sort of get into, into the market, as it were. Then our final item, another big sort of shift from government in a way, but again, we're waiting for more details before making a sort of declarative statement, but very interesting nonetheless. Today, on the 11th of June, Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordon announced that investors will now own a 51% majority shareholding in South African Airways. The government will hold a minority shareholding of 49%. The two investors that will own a majority of SAA are part of a consortium, which includes Global Airways, a local jet leasing company, and Harith General Partners, which funds infrastructure development across Africa. Harith also owns Lanseria International Airport in the Gauteng province. The Takatso Consortium will be chaired by Harith CEO Tepo Mahlule and Gidon Novik, the former Comair CEO who recently launched low-cost airline Lyft. The terms and conditions of the consortium's participation in SAA, including the future funding of the airline, whether the whether restrictions on flight routes and long-term labor, including pilots and staff, have been imposed, are not yet known. It also isn't clear whether the government will give the consortium the space to make business decisions in SAA without interference. That is our last item for this week's Free Marketeers News. I hope you found it useful and insightful. If you're watching on YouTube or watching later, Please, before you leave, remember to like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're almost on 15,000 subscribers, which is incredible. Thank you all so much for um, being with us through all this time and helping us to grow the channel. So please, if you haven't yet subscribed, you could be one of those people that pushes us over the 15,000 mark. A reminder that you can also find the audio version of all our podcasts on uh, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. Just search for free marketeers and you should be able to find us there if you prefer to consume this kind of content in audio format. Uh, until next time, I wish you all a very good warm weekend. Try and do your best. I know with load shedding, one is uh, at the whim of, of government as it were, but I hope that you all have a good weekend and we'll talk to you all again very soon. Until next time, take care.